Welcome to the Weekend Must Watch on Intercut, the weekly show going through the movies, TV, and entertainment that people just can't cut away from. I'm your co-host Arturo Surita, and joining me to start a YouTube fight club, it's Zachary Shevich. Mm, mm, let me see the, that jab. Let me see some right hooks, man. How, how's it going? You ready to get into the last Weekend Must Watch of August? I'm... I'm hearing myself back right now in the audio. Oh, really? Got to make sure that I'm I'm coming in Y'all the set? way. Let's see, Zach. As I fix this, you take it away. Let people know what's playing for this week. Yeah, I mean, we have a few movies on the docket this week. Uh, it is finally the limited theatrical release of Bottoms, a movie that we've been hyping up since South by Southwest, and the wide release of Gran Turismo, which we covered a couple weeks ago. So uh, finally got some stuff to talk about here as the summer starts to wind down and we look ahead to fall movie season, fall festival season. You know, we're also like deep in our prep for Toronto, the 2023 Toronto International Film Festival. Hopefully y'all have had a chance to watch our preview episode, whether or not you're going to the festival, because we talk about a bunch of exciting movies that are just on the horizon. Uh, Art, I know you have started making your plans and uh, whittling down your list of what you're trying to see when we're in Toronto. Yeah, I've been I've been going through this whole list. Uh, I think I'm back right now. I felt like David Harbour in the movie Gran Turismo just trying to get a get a, <laughs> a sound signal. check right yeah. there. Yeah, I think we're good to go on the track. Uh, but yeah, with Toronto right around the corner, you were buying tickets. You were telling me this morning yep. uh, for a lot of the early screenings that are going to be out there. Uh, those tickets are a little steep, so if you're in <laughs> Toronto, I think it's definitely worth it. But I've been seeing that uh, with New York also on the horizon. There is. A lot of other the tiny festivals that are going to be doing virtual. So while we're mm-hmm. always here shouting out Toronto, it's a good way to get some movies on your radar that then if it's playing at like a St. Louis or a, a New Orleans festivals that are still doing virtuals, Sundance with all the bigger ones out there, Sundance still doing virtual, shout out them, yeah. uh, to have these on your radar because a, a lot of these end up coming out like pretty soon as well. There's a lot of movies coming out in October, November, December as we're in this um, Oscar season that... Uh, that, that's what we're here for, trying to put a lot of these movies on your radar to let you know what's the best of the best. Uh, like this week, which we actually have some of the best of the best. One yeah. of the top movies of the year that Zach got to see early, early. Uh, we were at another film festival, South by Southwest. So, mm-hmm. again, another great way to be able to get things on your radar. Uh, with Bottoms, we also have the Gran Turismo movie, which we did a little bit of a review last week. Vacation Friends 2, which I think Zach and I are both surprised is somehow Hulu's bread and butter at this point. Yeah. Uh, but of course, I need the expertise here because I wasn't invited to his, so I'd be very curious to see how he would break down Netflix's <laughs> you are so not invited to my bat mitzvah. But uh, other than that, Zach, let's jump right into it with the movie that you don't have at bottom. You have it at the top. Talk about the theatrically released, if I'm not mistaken, limited release at the moment, Bottoms. Yeah, uh, it is in select cities i think only like 22 theaters or something like that so uh, i'm sure a lot of people haven't yet had the chance to see it hopefully more will have a chance to see it uh when it expands at least in the u.s this weekend uh mm-hmm. it did really well for a, in a per theater average i think it uh, the baseball made, <laughs> exactly it made 51,000 per theater which is the fourth highest this year if you want to get all ESPN with Bruh, it but uh I need, a, I, the, need a, I have a question for that how is it that yeah. these limited releases have like the same 10 theaters are they adding seats how do you break records <laughs> if you have the same 10 theaters 
Uh, it's about like which theaters, how many showtimes, I guess. And Bottoms isn't that long. Maybe they packed them in the showtime. Makes sense. Okay, you're yeah. right. Correct. The yeah. runtime. Uh, but Bottoms, uh, definitely, it, you know, it's been uh, a waning couple of years in terms of the theatrical comedy, right? Uh, yeah. With the with the increasing power of Netflix, they've been able to suck away a lot of comedic talent by giving deals to Adam Sandler and Kevin Hart and people like that. So the the theatrical comedy has largely been absent for many years. You know, Seth Rogen is also busy doing his streaming television thing, whether it's American Pickle or uh, uh, whatever, what, uh, what was it, Platonic that, that we show, liked yeah. recently on Apple. Mm-hmm. Um and luckily, some people have stepped up to fill the void this year with Joyride and with No Hard Feelings. Barbie, of course, was a, a comedy, albeit one that's linked to high IP. To Strays. me, Bottom, yeah, Strays as well. To me, Bottoms is the clear, funniest f- movie of all of them. It's a throwback to the Y2K era teen comedies that you and I grew, grew up on. Stuff like Not Another Teen Movie, Bring It On, uh, the American Pie films, or even Superbad is like a clear, heavy influence on the dynamic uh, between Rachel Sennett's character and Iowa Debris character as the leads here in the movie. Uh, it also has this interesting thing because it is about these queer women characters who want to start a fight club to hook up with other cheer cheerleaders or hook up with the cheerleaders that it kind of subverts the whole like sexist tropes that the genre is largely built off of by, mm-hmm. by really centering the women in this. And they do a lot of very funny things with it. I think it's like, it, it's both like a very, silly and stupid film, but a film that has some real ideas in it as well. They're able to strike that balance somehow, largely through the back of like very hilarious performances by the cast and are also largely through some just really strong comedic joke writing. I think it's a strong script. It's delivering a joke every other line pretty much. And, you know, maybe not every joke in this movie is the funniest in the world, but like they're all solid and some are, are hilarious. So I had a great time with it. I'm actually, uh, haven't had the chance to rewatch it. I'm going again this week. I don't know if you had a chance to rewatch it. Are you planning to rewatch it? Yeah, I need, I need to rewatch this one. Uh, I know you guys came out loving it way more than I did. I'm a really big fan of Shiva baby, which is, uh, their last pair up that they had, Emma Segelman and Rachel Sennett. Fantastic movie. Love, love, love this movie. Um, Bottoms probably had the best crowd out of South by. People yeah. were laughing at like bu- jokes that were happening behind them. Uh, Marshawn Lynch had no business being as funny uh, as he was in this movie. You and I have really liked him in the uh, the Netflix show that you put me on. Um, uh, Murderville. Th- Apparently, Emma Seligman <laughs> liked him on that as well. She was talking in that's some why? interviews that uh, she found out he improvised, and that's part of the reason she cast him. Uh, oh, in it. No, he killed it, bro. Yeah. No, he has some of the best jokes in the movie, but uh, just in general, um, I, I went back to catch this little movie because uh, y'all were talking about it when we came out of the theater and y'all were like, it's based off Devs. And I'm like, Devs? The, the, the Hulu show? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't see the connection. Um, but you guys were talking, we'll talk about this one because yeah, I had never D-E-B-S. seen it. I've only seen half. Yeah. Yeah. I it's mean- on Hulu. I mean, Debs to a certain generation of like uh, DVD watching young lesbian is probably like one of the most iconic films out there. Uh, it, it's this like very campy, silly action comedy about uh, the, these like young women that are part of a secret agent team uh, that have to like take down a supervillain. But it's just like 
I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't exactly call it like high uh, high art, but it's it got an indelible, lovable quality to it as well. And you know, I, I'm not going to complain about uh, a film that features this era of Megan Good. She also Jordana Brewster. I know a lot of people's uh-huh. teenage crush. It's got a good looking cast. Uh, J- Jimmy Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> All y'all, all y'all needed to tell me was that it came from the director who did Herbie Fully Loaded, and I would have been right there, bro. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I Whatever it is over here, yeah. Uh, but no, I, I caught this one uh, last night. Uh, it's got the same tone, so I, I see exactly what you're talking about. The and again, influence. this being an early 2000s movie, that's exactly what Bottoms gets down. And I, I, I think that this cast is going to like go on to do bigger and better things. And it's just crazy to think that like to a lot of people, this is the intro for them. You know, Not everybody yeah. is on the festival circuit watching them in these tiny movies. Not everybody finished Idol. So to be able to see them in something like this, I think is really cool, especially on the big screen, because uh, Io was in, I don't know, if you count Theater Camp, which was also limited, she was a voice in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I think the biggest thing right now that, that everybody knows her from would be the bear, but that's TV. So being able to have these two as a pairing, I think is going to yeah. be really good. I hope we don't go with like a, a long period of time where they're not going to be in something together, and we don't realize we're in a golden age right now where they're still mm-hmm. doing the uh, Rachel and Io bit. Yeah. I mean, if you've, seen, more them. if you've seen any of the press they do together, their dynamic is just so, like, fun and quick and back and forth. They just are so clearly comfortable together. They've been friends for many years, went up, uh, came up in NYU together. So yep. that, all three that's of them, kind I know of, that. Yeah, all three of them, exactly. So, And that's the kind of bond that's sort of, like, hard to fake. Yeah. You, when you see Bottoms, you will not only, like, really love their back and forth, but be sort of, like, it, I'm already, like, upset if we don't get five more pairings of them in movies together. Like exactly. They should, I, I think it was uh, our, my buddy Brett who wrote on Letterboxd that they should be, like, a new generation Abbott and Costello if you want to get more recent with it, like Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson or something like that. We get just more recent, bro. Them. The kids need the new one. <laughs> what the workaholics gang or something where are we going with more reason than that who's the most a- Adam Sandler and Netflix <laughs> Seth Rogen and James Franco are we still allowed no, to say oh, that no 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 I don't want that career for them <laughs> but we just need more pairings we need different wacky scenarios we need broad comedies and more serious stuff because they're both capable of it uh, they, they are just great opposite each other and another great thing that I think Seligman does in this film that I think other comedies could really learn from is putting them in the same frame next to each other mm-hmm. something that bothered me with Joyride is as funny as the women are in that movie it's constantly cutting back and forth between them and, and sometimes you want to let people with great com- comedic timing and chemistry occupy the same space and just interact so that's okay. something that Bottoms gets right 100% it is out in limited release making so much money per mm-hmm. theater I believe is a stat uh, but it hopefully well it comes out week. wide yeah because other than that you know theater came kind of like came and went theater camp i believe already announced its september hulu date yep so i don't know where this would eventually go but this is definitely one that oh uh, it is going to be on amazon prime later this year because mgm is owned by amazon well, there you go. Uh, but I would recommend it to catch in a theater if you are curious with it because this is definitely one you want to see with a crowd. And then you watch it later to catch all the little jokes in the background because they have a lot. <laughs> but Bottoms, out in limited release, it's going to be expanding. Another one that uh, I think you and I both thought was a lot better than we expected, a video game mm-hmm. movie that's not really a video game movie uh, to be. We talked uh, a lot more about this last week, but Gran Turismo is out this week, finally had its full run. And it's crazy that on Cinema Day, I don't know if you participated in the Holy... 
of festivities that we have. Mm-hmm. But on Sunday, it was $4 tickets. So I went, I took my family to go see Blue Beetle and it was out selling Gran Turismo. I was going through all the other ones. I think they pulled a flash WB scenario here. They had too many early screenings. Those Gran Turismo based on a true story, mm-hmm. IMAX, Dolby, all of that, that all of the gamers already saw it. So I'm very curious to see uh, the legs on this one because it was pushed from early August uh, a little bit later. And I don't know what the next yeah. IMAX is that it's going to compete with. Equalizer, maybe. But um, it, it also it, did something kind of, I don't know, shady, if, if that's the right word for it. Because uh, I don't know if you're seeing the reports that Gran Turismo was actually the box office winner for the weekend uh, with mm-hmm. its $17.3 But that includes the previous weekend sneak preview grosses. They didn't report that's those cheating. before. Yeah, so I don't think it really made $17.3 this weekend. I think Barbie Whoa. beat it. What, what, oh, yeah, because uh, if we're talking box office as well, Barbie ended up uh, getting... The record for WB because it just went over um, what is 1. it 1.4 billion? Uh, yeah, I forget which movie that it beat, but yeah, it's uh, Warner Brothers' highest Harry Potter. Movie now. Yeah, crazy. Harry Potter. It it just surpassed the Harry Potter movie. Uh, Oppenheimer just surpassed. I'm gonna have to pull these up right now, but Oppenheimer also is about to beat out another rated R movie, which is insane to think about. But looking at the stuff for this past week, you are telling me they cheated? Yeah. Let me pull this up right here. This is insane. All right, here. Now, I have a link to the Oppenheimer uh, R-rated gross if you need that one. Yeah, let's start with that one first. To, and then to I got Barbie also uh, in the private chat for you if we want to pull that up on our live stream. Yeah, so for starters, uh, shout out to Oppenheimer. What a big deal to one. Is, is this the rated R one? Oh, no. I guess it is. Uh, the link didn't copy correctly if you sort of look at the end of it there. Gotcha. I will start with the other one over here. Um, but I did see it past the Dark Knight, which is insane to me. Here is all of the stuff for Warner Brothers. Barbie has officially passed, let's begin with this year, Super Mario Bros. All those gamers thought that that wasn't going to be passed. But all the girls who played house said, nah, we're going to make this happen. It is officially the highest grossing thing that they have made. 1.3. There's no more records for it to be for Warner Brothers. So to think that Warner Brothers is still considering releasing it on VOD... Someone must have notified them this week because it got pushed. They were going to release it September 5th. Now it's being released uh, a week later. Mm. It should not be coming out until Christmas with this amount of money that they're still making in theaters, bro. Yeah, I don't get that it. would have been the biggest one right now, uh, especially on Sunday with the Cinema Day, where people were still going to rewatch it. Mm-hmm. Like, this is one of those movies where you and I rewatch movies, we, we catch them early. A lot of people, this was their first movie since before the pandemic. This is their first movie that they have seen multiple times because they made it an event. Uh, look, that's that's incredible numbers. I'm going to pull up the R-rated one over here as well. Hopefully it follows through. But Oppenheimer would be another one. Dang, you just will not let me. Yeah, because Oppenheimer, as you were mentioning, it, it surpassed The Matrix Reloaded to become the fourth highest grossing R-rated film of all time. And it is only... Uh, four million behind Deadpool and another ten million behind Deadpool two, which feels like very much within its grasp, considering it's going to be in theaters at least another two months. So this is insane. Yeah, it it'll be the second highest grossing R rated movie with probably another two hundred million to go to get to Joker. I don't know if it gets all the way there, but pretty amazing for a film about a scientist. 
So you're going over under one. You're going, I'm going under? under one. I don't think it you're can cross that billion dollar under. mark. Yeah. You, go, you think I'm, it's getting all the way there? I'm going to go over and I'm going to be that $22 ticket that puts it there. I think <laughs> that, if, that if I do make it out to New York, I'm going to find a way to catch this at Lincoln Square. I had actually on Sunday looked up tickets for Lincoln Square. They were all sold out, obviously. Yeah. But can you imagine watching a 70 millimeter IMAX of Oppenheimer for four bucks? I was ready to take one of the, the, the handicap seats, bring my own <laughs> BYOC, because at this point, Beating out Deadpool means that Deadpool has to put a joke for Oppenheimer in its movie. Mm-hmm. I know they've they've stalled production. It's easily going to clear Deadpool two as well. Deadpool two as well. Deadpool two as well because at this point Dune has moved. Yeah, I don't think Disney's going to give it to the Marvels the entire time. The Marvels is doing such a shoddy job because <laughs> think about it, Captain Marvel. Their main actress or side actress that was in WandaVision mm-hmm. and then the lead of another Disney Plus series are teaming up. I don't think they have as much faith for it. They had already lost the IMAX to Dune for those four weeks. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to go splitsies with it. Oppenheimer will continue playing in IMAX. And I think as much as I doubted it early on, it might pass a billion dollars. And that must be the most insane thing possible. Yeah, you bro. can't really rule it out. And like even if the Marvels takes up like all the IMAX screens, I can't imagine it would do it for longer than like maybe a week or two. And then yeah, we're back we're three to bring Oppenheimer back. Might as well bring back Tenet while we're at it. I mean clearly, bro, don't clearly play with people me. want Christopher yes. Nolan on the big screen. Bro, that is insane. Like just to to see this graph and know that it's gonna be at least at number two, a rated R nuts like let's be honest Biopic? we love it talking heads like yeah. that's all this movie is for yeah. the most part guys uh, in that, rooms that is fantastic to see wow what the heck is detective chinatown i right, shout out <laughs> them too uh but oppenheimer <laughs> making its way up barbie topping the charts even more 1.3 is no joke how high do you think barbie can climb uh all time i don't know if you have the all-time chart but uh it has already made it into the top 20 highest grossing films of all time. It's I think it's at 18, although it might not be the most up-to-date. If it passes Mario, it'll be at 15. It's in the top 20 right now. Whew. Wow. I would love to see it break the top 10. I, I can't see it going any higher than that, but I would love to see it break the top 10. And yeah. that's insane for a starter. Yes, there's IP. I'm very much on the side of like, yeah, this is going to be an adapted screenplay. It is IP to a degree, but it doesn't have that Avengers and Avatar bit where you've already showcased what you have in the theater and are bringing people back. So right. That's very impressive. Yeah, it wow. is pretty crazy how the run it's on right now. Good for Over Greta. under top 10 for Barbie. I'm going to go under top 10. I think it'll be top Damn 15, bro. maybe get like 13, 14. Why are you it's got to be the box Top Gun Maverick still. I think it will be Top Gun Maverick. I think it will be in the top 10. That means it'll push Avengers off. That is, that's pretty crazy to me. Yeah. But getting back to Gran Turismo, which cheated. Gran Turismo, you were <laughs> yeah, telling me. This is supposed me, to be the Gran Turismo segment. This is the Gran Turismo section. Well, we cheated them out because they cheated Barbie out. Gran Turismo <laughs> ended up making a total, let's see if I can find the uh, entire weekend right here, 7.3 mil, which first of all, that's way less than the box office flop that was Blue Beetle, which everyone <laughs> kept blaming on. Look at this right here. 7.3 mil. And 17? $17.3 million. you're telling me that this added whatever the premium tickets were for the other Previous weeks. weekends? Like three it, weekends, I think, it was playing in sneak previews? It's counting all three weekends? I, I mean, there's no other reporting on it, so I have to assume. 
Bro, what? <laughs> one of those weekends for the IMAX one wasn't even uh, available for A-list or Regal. You yeah. had to pay out of pocket for that. Yeah. That is scummy. At 17.3, Barbie at 17.1, it should have lost. How I'm telling you right now, I think Blue Beetle would have come in at number two at that point. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Have you had a chance to rewatch it? I know you were considering rewatching Gran Turismo or haven't got around to. I'm rewatching it right now. Uh, Gran (laughs) Gran Turismo. uh, I didn't mind it uh, for what it was. I thought I was. I thought it was a pretty impressive take on making it a video game movie. That's not really a video game movie because they're in the world playing the game. Yeah. It is based on a true story as they continue to push it. And I think that that was an interesting take to have it because then it does kind of feel more like a sports film than this simulator game. Yeah. Uh, I think the cast is decent for, for what they do. Um, but the, the big shout out that I gave it was uh, the Dolby IMAX. It's the way that they capture the sound, which is the one thing the game is known for. And when you see the movie, they damn near put the, the special features in there. It mm-hmm. begins and ends with them like showing you the LIDAR of how they catch uh the cars and the sound and i believe this is one of those that has the 12 track sound yeah which uh i've talked about in the past that is some surreal stuff um i don't have one of those near me i believe maybe your theater uh Mm -hmm. lincoln square might have that uh 12 track sound is nothing to play with yeah putting it right here 12 track sound is insane it makes you feel like you're right there and there's a particular sequence where an accident happens here it is like it just catches you off guard completely. So if you were interested in this movie, I would have given it a junior price. I think it's worth going for like a $4 Sunday, $5 Tuesday. Um, I think now that you've sat with it, you would kind of agree. I think out of all the superhero or superhero video game movies, this is kind of in this new realm of them not having that curse anymore. They're kind of decent now. Yeah, like this is like a perfectly adequate box or like crowd pleasing sports type of movie like it feels like a sports underdog story there are elements of it that i feel like are unnecessarily dramatized like they've added some elements that feel like they don't need to be there given as you mentioned that there's actually compelling true story there that you don't need to necessarily like fit into a rigid box but like it's enjoyable enough the performances are good i think that Um, The racing sequences are obviously better in, you know, maybe better movies like Ford v. Ferrari and Rush. But this isn't going after that. This is going after more of like a a Fast and Furious Need for Speed type of vibe. And it's definitely better than Need for Speed, even though I think that one's underrated. What? I kind of like really, it. Robin Bob's really about funny that. in it. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, Neil Blomkamp did direct this. And he, he said that uh, he was aiming to get the record. For the fastest um, photography of a human being, they said that he claimed they were going 170 miles per hour, for real. The guy who the movie's based on yeah, did Martin all the stunts for the movie. Yeah, he is there doing Texas switches uh, <laughs> with the dude. So I, I think for the technical aspects, uh, I think it's worth the watch. But Neil Blomkamp, man, uh, I was listening to a lot of interviews for him. You know, as I'm working on the the video for this, and this is a dude, bro, where. Going through his filmography, I didn't realize he started off with uh, Weta. He was out there making all of these movies uh, under the stewardship of um, the one and only Lord of the Rings. He had Orlando in this movie, too. So they were Mm -hmm. kind of both under the stewardship of uh, his director, Peter Jackson. So he had something in the works over there that never went to fruition. And that's how he accidentally made District 9. Hmm. Obviously, he then came out with Chappie, Elysium, all these movies. 
it kind of sucks that this dude is always being asked about the hits he had before and is never being asked about the newest movie um that i I was reading i don't know if you read the the uproxx interview i I put a link to it in our chat but yeah he uh did not appreciate mike ryan's line of questioning there got it seems like it got a little awkward at a certain point, it does kind of suck, no? Like, you're yeah. always, like, every interview is just mentioning the stuff you did in the past and knowing that uh, the Halo series that he was working on didn't come to fruition. Mm-hmm. The uh, Alien movie never came to fruition. Like, how many times are you going to do press for a movie and you're going to be hearing all these projects that were never made? Absolutely. Uh, he said he has a very pessimistic view on humanity and life. And he did this breakdown about Chappie, that to him, Chappie is his take on a human who gets bogged down by the world, that we always see it done by, you know, regular people who are born. But he wanted to showcase that even a robot who was born, if you live long enough in this world, it will tear you down. <laughs> so I'm really surprised that in Gran Turismo, he's a little bit more uplifting. Uh, <laughs> I think the father-son dynamic that's in there uh, is a good thing to see from this man, because now that he has a kid, I can see him wanting to put more positivity out into the world. So if you aren't interested in Gran Turismo, go support it, because yeah. uh, poor movie is cheating <laughs> to stay in the box office. A movie that does not need to cheat is one, well, actually, it may be cheating. Vacation Friends 1 mm. was touted as being the number one movie from Hulu, I think is what you told me. Yeah, they're, at the time, it was their most streamed comedy, I believe. Yeah. I don't know how. They never released numbers. I don't know if they were also adding the preview uh, screenings to it. But to go off of the example you were saying with um, Bottoms going to theaters, this has been Hulu's way of taking these Fox movies uh, that were in that limbo state after the acquisition and uh, all the pandemic stuff to then just pooped them straight to Hulu. The first one did numbers for them, so now they mm-hmm. got a second one out. How do you feel it holds up to the first one? Did you like it? Do you like the new cast? Do you do you see this going five? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so uh, I thought that the first one, while not a good movie, was like, you know, not like the most unter- unentertaining thing, largely because it's got several people that I like in it, you know? Like, I, I like Lil Rel. I, I like uh, Ivan Orji. I, I like John Cena in this mode. I like, like Meredith Hagner. Um, they don't have great material, but they are some are, are pretty charming people. And, yeah. you know, like, ultimately, comedies, a lot of what it comes down to is, like, do you, are you down to hang out? And I guess, like, I'm not... I'm, like, a little bit down to hang out with this cast. It's just, like devoid of any sort of original feeling. It's very reliant on this very uh, predictable cringe comedy where Lil Rel is kind of the uptight guy and he's worried about getting embarrassed or exposed by the very outward, outgoing uh, John Cena. And they continue that dynamic throughout uh, Vacation Friends too. And a lot of that humor just feels like lazy and, and like you see it coming a mile away. To me, where the where the movie either will succeed or fail for you is in the little in-between moments, the little asides, the dumb little things that people throw in. There are a few dumb jokes there that got me, but I, I think the rate at which I laughed is just so low for a comedy. It's hard yeah. to recommend this other than as like something you watch while you do your laundry. <laughs> 
Uh, they drink a lot of alcohol in this movie, and I would yeah. say that that is exactly what you need to be under if you're catching this. There are right. jokes that can get you at certain points, but you're not going to remember them. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they make you laugh at the moment, and that's it. Which, again, as a vehicle for just the, them as an ensemble, sure, I could see another one, especially because it's at home. Yeah. If I would have gone out to the theater for this, we'd be talking about it completely in a completely different manner. But uh, I think as an at-home series, I'm like... For them continuing this as, you know, simple things that you could put on in the background, it's not going to be this series, uh, you know, like a TV uh, a- episodic thing. I-, mm-hmm. I like it being a nice short 90-minute movie. Yep. I can see them going a couple of more. But it's they need a little bit better writing. I will say yeah, that. they do. Um, a- a- anybody you have uh, in store <laughs> that you would want to see? What, in the future or, or- – I don't know, because, like, Steve Buscemi is somebody yeah. who I find reliably funny, and I didn't really love his performance here. My I man mean, was carrying a lot yeah, with the ones they gave him. Yeah, they just gave him all kind of, like, the dumbest elements of this one. Uh, Pretty you know, bad. Who, who I liked and who does a really good job just in, in very small roles in bigger films is Ronnie Cheng. Uh I think he's just like desperate for show for to be in something of actual quality because he's like a reliably funny dude, but he's got a terrible track record. How many times, Zach, yeah. do I need to see Ronnie Chang as the boss of a Asian corporation who's going to outdrink you? He yeah. did this in Joyride. He does the exact same scene again here. Yep. I think the man is talented and he's a hardworking dude. They got to give him some new material, bro. Yes. More than that. They have to let him do his thing because that was one of the stuff with like Megan and uh, I would say even in Shang-Chi, I want to say they gave him a little bit more space to ad lib. That's yeah. what he needs to be given because, yeah, you're kind of like holding back a dude who would probably do a lot better with improv. Yep. But They also gave Yvonne Orji nothing to do in this one. She at least had some jokes and bits in the first one. Dude, she was background yes. noise here. There was one moment where you were just like. That's, you haven't said anything in like 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I, I hope she got a nice oh. trip out of it. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Also, I want to say this is my boy, Carlos. Yeah, bro. Drop the accent, my man. <laughs> Anyways, Vacation Friends 2. Uh, out on Hulu. Vacations th- Vacation Friends 3 coming soon with Samuel L. Jackson as probably the next father. But let's get to the real meat and potatoes, sir. I don't know if this is a little too far. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the matzo ball soup. There of we go. This evening. You are so not invited to my bat mitzvah, the newest Adam Sandler Jr. project. He's got the kids working on this one. Mm-hmm. Zach, did it live up to the Netflix Sandler hype that you were giving it? You know what? I, I actually think this is probably one of the better Happy Madison Netflix uh, co-productions. It, it's not necessarily like the wackiest or wildest. It's not ne- not the most Happy Madison-esque of those movies. What this one is is something that is a lot closer in spirit to something like uh, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, or even something like Eighth Grade. I feel I felt the influence yes. of both those uh, properties on this. I, I wouldn't say the film since the film is so s- recent, but the book at least definitely had an influence on how uh, this film came together. And I, oh, it's I, a book. Interesting. No, the, no, I meant the uh, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret book. Sorry, oh, okay. Just to be clear. Um, but I, yeah, I think there's just something kind of sweet and, uh, you know, pretty innocent in, in this, but also, like, pretty funny. Uh, I think it's got a, a real feel for, like, the awkward adolescent period and the, like, unspoken rules of friendships and uh, things that are 
are like gigantic betrayals when you're just a preteen, uh, but even if they don't necessarily seem like life-ending things now, uh, I do feel like her friend really went through it in this movie. I'm not Bro. so sure that uh, the, her grand gesture at the end is a kind no. of thing that I'd forgive her for, given all uh, that she's put through. That being said, like I, I thought it was charming. I thought it was sweet. I it, to me, it's like a great uh, teen comedy. And you know, if it's if we need Adam Sandler to shot, shed a spotlight on uh, Benai Mitzvah culture for for everybody to understand the the pressures and anxieties around it, then I'm glad he's doing his work. <laughs> I agree with Caitlin's review. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not letting that slide. Absolutely not. <laughs> Um, I think one of the reasons why I was also really surprised by it is because it comes from the director who did Crush, which was on Hulu. Yeah. This one's a little bit more on the rated R side because they are older. Uh, they're in middle school, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, in Bat Mitzvah. Yes. Here they're in high school. Dude, that same, it's got that same sense of humor. Mm-hmm. I was actually really surprised uh, with how funny it was. How uh, I, I think you're, the, the references you... Uh, pointed out with eighth grade uh, and that awkwardness. Um, yeah, it does were... the same thing that eighth grade does in, in one sense that I love are those like dramatic zooms, the long lens zooms that will like find an awkward Makes you thing feel, in the yes. background. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or, or the way that they'll just pick on a random kid. Yeah. <laughs> when you're in these crowded places and you can like feel the anxiety that she feels all of the eyes are on her mm-hmm. and then they'll like zoom into this kid and be like, hey. <laughs> and how like the boys are living in a completely different universe to what the girls are going through. Yep. Uh, the cast was also surprisingly decent. Uh, yeah. We were making the joke that Adam Sandler's wife is in this movie, <laughs> but not Adam Sandler. <laughs> now, mind you, this is the second round. I can't even imagine telling Mrs. Sandler, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm casting Adina again. <laughs> to play the wife they got similar mouths because you could really see it in uh the main daughter i, I, yeah. I don't know who was the main one i want to say it was sunny who's the main uh, who's the lead yeah i think so i think sunny was the lead yeah he's got both Not daughters Sammy. in this and you can see it they got like that that aerosmith live tyler mouth going on <laughs> yep. they get it from their mom but you could also you know see it with you're uh, too young for well. botox but it looks like botox <laughs> alina gave me one look i'm like nah i'm pretty sure yeah, you gotta look at her mom <laughs> her mom's gonna be in the next scene yeah uh, between both sisters i noticed that uh the older one probably not the better actor of the two but she did sing some of the songs so i don't know if that's like the career path that that sandler's going to interesting to. yeah she is kind of more of a background role anyway yeah. she's not not a huge with the lead the very Love. good not bad for yeah. the the teen comedy that they're going for here. I thought she did a pretty decent job going through all of the emotions of the cringe and everything that she's got to deal with. Uh, and she also had a really good supporting cast with her friends. But also, you may know her more, bro, but the Sarah SNL Sherman, lady. Let's bro. talk about it. She's bro. so good in this movie. What a perfect marriage for the Adam Sandler universe. Bro, she needs to be more Sandler stuff, man. This mm-hmm. is This is y'all's. Yeah, this is y'all's juice of the moment because I was gonna say <laughs> Senate, but it turned out that she's not she's not an official official nope. one. This, she has got it, bro. Mm-hmm. I've seen a couple of SNL sketches with her. She is just dedicated to the bit at all yeah. times, and that standing desk bit and the changing <laughs> so of the damn menorahs, which she keeps like changing me. her walking stance. <laughs> nah, she's good, bro. She's really funny. I love um, her. Yeah. So overall. I was pretty impressed with it. You know, last week I, you had it as your pick of the week. I was like, I don't know, bro. This feels like it's going to be murder mystery-ish. They got a good director. 
I'm very impressed with the girls picking up that Sandler uh, tradition of just the timing with the jokes. And yeah, I was, I was pretty impressed with it. Looking mm-hmm. forward to more of Sammy Cohen and, and honestly, even more of the Sandler girls doing some more bits in yeah. the future. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, it, it, just as a longtime Sandler defender, it's really cool to see that he's Bowser. finally like embracing the thing that we've been hoping for and like bringing interesting directors into the fold and kind yes. of finding like an in-between because he's making a lot of cool projects. There's some exciting stuff coming up, too. Uh, and he's really fun in this movie, too, is more of a supporting role. The <laughs> the off-screen fight that he and his daughter have is Yeah, hysterical. that was the best bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's the most he does because the dude is sleeping. When he is on screen, he looks tired. Yeah. Then there is a bit at the mall. He is knocked out with all yeah. the other dads. Shoes and off everything. His wardrobe looks like he just walked in off. The, like, that's the kind of stuff that he, we see that's him wear in paparazzi photos and stuff. And I, I know don't think it he, is. Yeah. Because I think he's wearing the same thing when he was playing ball with J. Cole out <laughs> in the streets. <laughs> I think he just went straight into the set. Yep, yep. Uh, hey, shout out to Sandman. Uh, a lot of good stuff in the works for him, but a good family film come from him. So Nice. Uh, pretty impressed. With yeah, glad you, you liked so it. Non- yeah, it was pretty good. Um, but that is all the movies. The, the last thing that we had, I, look, I caught a bit of this. I watched this like three times through the first episode, trying to get through it. Thank you. <laughs> I, the, it took me two right, times. Yeah. Look, around the second time, Alina goes, you know, that's uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I'm like, angry. What? <laughs> I'm more of a person who's going to wait till it all comes out. I've been seeing Ahsoka mixed, we're talking about. For yeah, the audio Ahsoka listeners. that's out on Disney Plus. But then they got the first two episodes out. They sent it early to us because they know we're massive Star Wars fans over Huge, here on the Internet Podcast. The um, it looked fine. It, it is a high-budget Star, Star Wars adaptation Star Wars? for TV. Yeah, they, they uh, did that. Do you see the lightsabers? They, they look like lightsabers. Um, one of them got in, like, uh, one of the, the, the flying thingies, and they did, like, this really cool, like, juke out, and they were like, stop that girl, and then she, like, mm-hmm. went to the right, and then they were like, yeah. we, we can't stop that girl. So they didn't stop her, so I think she's going to be in more episodes, and right. um, I'm very curious to see where it develops. I have heard, uh, not as a big Star Wars that some people mentioning that uh because she comes from clone wars if i'm not mistaken yeah or rebels i don't know something like that uh that it is not tit for tat the way that they should be or they're like omitting some stuff Uh, i've always found the star wars world interesting because for the most part i still think it's all connected it's not like dc and marvel you still got a dozen things going on Mm -hmm. um and i think it's really cool that uh, unlike dc with the uh, animated series that theirs are connected uh, I think even for the video games, it, it may still be adding to the whole world. I have friends mm-hmm. who uh, read the books, and you know, there's a lot of extra stuff that have been uh, added into the lore there. Uh, so I, I'm curious. I'll, I'll stick around. I, I have a lot of catching up to do with all the Star yeah. Wars shows, so I can't I mean, really say the that they all connect. But I still haven't finished Andor, so I know that's the one that I got to put yeah. higher up my list. Um, okay. I got time with the Emmys. <laughs> exactly. I look. I uh, I gave this one a shot. Um, it, it, it felt dense to me in a way that I wasn't really like down for, like, I, I just don't, I don't want to lean into these properties. And I was talking to a friend of mine who's a much bigger Star Wars fan. And he was saying that like, you kind of need to know a lot of the story from Rebels in order to fully understand what's going on. And I definitely got that vibe. I I got the vibe that it wasn't necessarily uh, being written for somebody on my Star Wars wavelength. I'm (laughs) sure that- When they zoom into the cartoons of all the people and you're like, this don't even look like a mural. This looks like it was ripped off the cartoons. You see the Star Wars Disney TM at the bottom? (laughs) Yeah, so I mean, I think it's the kind of thing where if I get, if I dedicated myself to watching it every week, I'd, I'd 
I'd eventually fall into its rhythms. But from the first episode, there just wasn't enough there that really compelled me. And with other better reviewed Star Wars things for me to catch up on, I I, I think I'm going to start with Andor. But it seems like very competently put together. I, you know, I like a lot of the cast involved. So I'm assuming if you're somebody who's been waiting to see Ahsoka adapted into live action, hopefully it lives up to your hype. I'm curious to see uh, what other what other people say because I felt like the response, at least online, has been kind of mild towards right? the show so far. Especially for someone they've been waiting to see adapted in the big screen for a while. Yeah. And I, I think she made a cameo in one of the other series. Yes. And that got a lot of uh, attention. So I'm, uh, we'll see how it comes out. But uh, that is Ahsoka out on Disney+. Plus. Tune in next week where Zach will have gone through all of Disney Plus Star Wars and will be recapping it for us. Uh, but that is really, that's it. It's a little bit of a slow week now that we're at the end yeah. of August. But hey, let's relax because... We have so much coming up in September, October, November, December. So uh, this was a little bit of the breather week that we have before all of the Oscar-nominated movies are on the horizon, all of the film festivals for the fall. Uh, we did have one question here before we give a shout-out to the intercuties that I saw you start, if you yeah. want to answer, as a New York native. Uh, yeah, uh, Rosalian asked us in the live stream, if the New York Film Festival is worth traveling to, they can't go to TIFF because they'll be... In Rome, Rome sounds like a fun place to be. Maybe you should, oh. uh, maybe you should go to Venice while you're in Italy and do Yo, that instead of the yes. New York Film Festival. That is a great point. Venice should be starting the first week of September, and they have some bangers there. A lot of the stuff that's going to be playing in Venice, trickle down to TIFF and exactly. New York. Like we only get to call first. it North. Uh, we get to call it uh, North, North American, American premieres. Premier, yeah. You could be there at the world premiere. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely go to Venice. That's a good good point. Yeah, I haven't been to Venice. Our, our buddy and patron, Ewan, I think is headed to Venice this year, has been in the past and highly recommends it. Um, but as far as festivals on this continent are concerned, I really love New York Film Festival. Uh, the quality is always top-notch. Like, th- it, there are some film festivals you go to because, like, they have, like, great access and stuff. Or there's some film festivals you go to where you just sort of, like, trust that they've curated a great selection of films and they're going to yeah. show them to you in great ways in, like, nice theaters. New York, you're seeing them in beautiful theaters and you're seeing great movies yes. and oftentimes you're seeing them uh, with the potential potential for a Q&A from the directors or the cast or whatever. Obviously, this year is different with strikes. Anyway, um, that all being said, it is it can get pretty expensive, particularly if you're seeing the like centerpiece and, uh, you know, main slate type of stuff, especially if you want to go to the premieres. They're some of the more expensive film festival tickets out there. So it kind of depends on like what your budget is, what movies you're trying to see. I feel like if you're trying to see like premiere stuff, it's a little easier to do it uh, in TIFF. But, you know, there's a lot in New York too. There's, especially they do several screenings. It's also because New York is a three week festival compared to the other ones that are more like 10 days. You're not going to, unless you stay for the entire duration of the festival, you're not going to see all the movies. Like Ferrari plays the very end of the festival. May, December plays the very beginning. And if you're in the middle, you're going to miss them both. So there are ups and downs to it, but I do love New York. You're getting a a great experience for sure there. Yeah. I would say that uh, I agree with Zach in terms of the theaters. Uh, Out of all the festivals that we've been to, some of them are kind of janky theaters. Every single screening. I, I didn't get to do too many public ones. But for the press stuff that's at Lincoln Center, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Great sound. Uh, on top of that, I got to see one at Tully Hall. Is that what it's called? Yeah, the one right Tully next Hall. To it? Mm-hmm. 
beautiful theater. And mm-hmm. Zach had told me they 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 know how to put on a show. It's Broadway Town. They do this thing where they make the whoever's gonna do the Q and A stand in a balcony just to spotlight them, and they gotta yep. walk down to talk. So goofy. Loved it. It was it was it was a beautiful moment. Uh, I know a lot of the other theaters that they're playing at BAM, which I haven't been to yet, but they're doing one at the the Museum of the Moving Image. I have Amazing. not seen it. Yeah, I've not to been to there, a, yeah. a, 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 the theater there, but a beautiful museum. I know that uh, the Alamos over there are fantastic. Yeah, no. And like Zach said, right now with TIFF, there's so much. It's like double the amount that's going to be at this lineup. So you kind of have to sift through it. That's what we're here for, trying to tell you what the best of the best is going to be. Mm-hmm. Here they do it so beautifully because like even for the press, there is no overlapping like other festivals. It's all straight through. Now... Like Zach said, though, not everyone's going to get pressed. So you are dealing with very expensive tickets. You are dealing with uh, transport, which I would say is the best in New York. But damn, is lodging a lot. That would be the one thing, Uh, especially with the way that it's built. Whether you're staying on the side in Brooklyn or whether you're staying on the side in Jersey, um, that would be you having to time out uh, what movies stand out to you the most. Um, the schedule actually just came out today, to yeah. so you might be Bro. able to like look at look at that and help you influence your I was decision. At the, I was at the film in Lincoln Center, and they mm-hmm. accidentally posted it two days ago, oh. so it was kind of coming up, and IMDb had like updated it. I was like, ooh, they kind of let it leak. <laughs> um, but yeah, you'll be able to kind of make up your schedule uh, with it. I think it's definitely worth doing one at some point in your life. Uh, yes. Uh, but it is one of the more expensive ones. So definitely, if there's a movie that you're looking forward to and a couple of other ones, make it like a weekend trip because uh, it would be cool. It would be worth it. Totally. All um, right. So should we thank some patrons? Yeah. Shout out all the InterCutie patrons. All right. Let's do it. We would like to thank those InterCutie patrons who help support the show and keep us going uh, at the Academy level. They are. Oh, wait. I'm putting the wrong thing on the screen. What am I doing? Uh, let me get the actual patron graphic up. They've all turned to movies. <laughs> uh, where's our patron graphic? Anyway, um, I gotta get the graphic up in order to read the names. Um, as you as you pull it up, yeah. Uh, another big thing coming up with Toronto and especially with New York is uh, us giving you the breakdowns that we're gonna be trying to do weekly because obviously being on the road, we're gonna ha- have a little bit of a different schedule for September with back to back to back ones. So just giving an update in terms of how we're gonna be doing the uh, monthly must watches. But we appreciate your support. Yeah, the academy level members are Tushar, Cademan, Connor, Josh, May, Ricky, Joe, Janicia, Tyler, and Benji. And then, of course, a big thank you to those producer level members, Udenvir, Sam, and Wiley. We really appreciate all the support from all of y'all. And a reminder that if you too would like to support this podcast, uh, get involved with some intercutie behind the scenes stuff such as access to our episode outlines early access to some episodes we record uh you can get a look at our brackets before we decide the final uh layout of them you can also get an invitation to our monthly google patron meetings where we chat with y'all about movies all you need to do is go to patreon.com slash intercut pod and contribute as little as one dollar a month become part of the inner cutie team and art uh we are headed to toronto together so maybe we will do our next patron hang from there maybe we'll mm-hmm. do it when we get back and we can talk about the movies but there's a lot of stuff to talk about we're getting into the fun season of uh film it's, watching yeah it's gonna be beautiful it's my uh, fall is my favorite season i don't know if you got a favorite season i, I like fall. fall i like a long sleeve shirt you know 
Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, I love Oktoberfest. It's pumpkin spice season. Ooh. Yeah, no, it's perfect. Um, no, we might have to do one probably uh, as, as we're walking into the boy in the hair. There we go. That's, well, that's when we'll do it. <laughs> yeah, when we're standing in line outside of uh, Dick's, the musical. Uh, but before we get to all the fall stuff, we have everything that's coming out this upcoming week, including our picks for the week. Uh, some decent stuff, I guess, in terms of uh, some of the releases. Uh, the biggest one is going to be the Equalizer 3. You've been equalized? Do you an Equalizer fan? You know, I didn't love the first Equalizer film, but I always am down to see Denzel blow some stuff up and take some bad guys on. So, yeah, I'm, I'm there for Uncle Denzel, at least. Yeah, I've liked the uh, just the idea that it's been, um, what's his name, doing all of them? Uh, Fuqua. Oh, Fuqua, so, yeah. Yeah, that's been really cool to see them as a trilogy. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. I believe it's going to have an IMAX release. Um, I won't be here, so I'm going to try to catch it somewhere for the Equalizer 3. Nice. But some of the stuff that's on streaming, uh, One Piece... I know nothing of One Piece. It's coming to Netflix. <laughs> I know there's going to be a lot of people on this show. I saw one clip. They space jammed this guy's leg with a kick. I am in, bro. I'm going to binge this day one. <laughs> That's, that clip was so funny. I don't know if the poster was making fun of it, but it worked for me. Uh, one Piece coming out to Netflix. I believe it's going to be the entire series. Uh, I, I know there's a lot of big Adventure Time fans, and they've been really excited for the Fiona and Cake series that's coming out. Apple's got Invasion Season 2, but probably one of the biggest releases is not Dune. Moved to 2024. Oh, man, how do you feel? I mean, that, that's your movie. You've, been, you've, you've traveled cross state lines to see the previous one. I think it was the 24th, and it was my sister's birthday. We were singing Happy Birthday, and in the middle of it, I got the notification that Dune got moved. I went silent. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh man they, these strikes really like i i need Why? the studios to to budge a little bit because they it feels like they're just kicking themselves and and making things worse off, you know coming off of all the success that barbie and oppenheimer have had people are ready to go back to the movie theater people right? are ready for timmy to ride that worm People got that IMAX hype right now in the back of their, yeah. their their heads after Oppenheimer. You had this next one ready for four weeks, and now they're pushing to March? Why March? I get, now, I look, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. One, that was in March. The Batman, big movie, that was in March. There's been speculation that because of everything shifting, and we're going to really see it closer to TIFF and New York to see if they make a deal. They, they drag it on those deals, bro. Mm. They they're dragging on those deals. Mm -hmm. uh, have you heard that they're going to maybe do a pandemic type thing with the Oscars and where they're going to move the dates to be later? If you remember the pandemic year. Right, right. Yeah, they they let films run like into January. January. Almost yeah. like, yeah, it was late. So I don't know if they're going to do something like that. But mm. I don't know, man. It, it, it stinks. I just I, I hope it doesn't hurt the movie because at this point in time, you had everything going for it. Wrap up those strikes wrap up the deals if anything it makes it seem like they're not gonna come up with anything until november's done like mm -hmm. that's not good yeah, i don't it, like it it's bad in every way shape or form exactly i mean it, it's just a sign that they are not really i guess rushing back to the negotiating table and it all no, updates that we've dumb. heard out of the strikes is that they are I haven't even been meeting to negotiate with like the Screen Actors Guild. They've barely budged with the Writers Guild. Uh, and, you know, it, 
obviously at some point somebody's gonna somebody's gonna budge. I I know where I stand on on this labor dispute, but you know I think as fans of movies, we all want to see some some movement, some some compromise some action some some reason too because it just feels like a lot of tone deafness particularly from the studios and the AMPTP I don't know if you saw the latest uh the, the data PR blitz from the AMPTP and New York Times article and trying to sympathize with uh Carol Lombardi their lead negotiator what'd they say uh, there, there's just like, oh, nobody knows no more about the labor contracts than Carol Lombardi just trying to paint her in this okay. like humanized light. I don't know, right. man. It's it, and Roger Goodell watches a lot of games. Like that don't mean he's a good right? commissioner. Like yeah. what? I feel no, like the I, studios should spend less money on the PR teams and more money on just the negotiations, right? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure you can take a, a quick bill out of uh, just just one little Billy out of the Tetsarandos or who's whoever's running WB at this moment. Yeah, and that, I think that's going to pay for a lot of this stuff. But yeah. I, I had heard their Boonk strategy of um, data. They're only giving one writer the data. And it's like... I, I didn't eat the cookies while they got crumbs all over their face. Like, what are y'all hiding with this data, bro? Yeah. My it's theory, a house of cards. My theory. Yeah. A lot of the shows they've been canceling mm-hmm. did a lot better, but they didn't want them to know that, and they canceled them. Continue to give them other shows that, what were we saying? Will never mm-hmm. go more than three seasons. Undercut them. And I think they've been giving those number one Netflix movies and Hulu movies that have these really big stars. Mm-hmm. I don't think those are as big as they, they've been. I think these underdogs have been paying for these bigger people. Their movies haven't made it, but they get their payment, and they keep working these people hard. Right. And that's why they don't want to give the data, because they would showcase, like you said, it's a house of cards. They've been lying the entire time. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's both ways. I wouldn't be surprised if they're inflating the numbers of of certain properties that they Easily. hope will do well, or they feel like they have good, fair deals with talent. They promise and I the wouldn't be surprised if they're, they're suppressing other numbers because they don't have better deals with them. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's all... Uh, they are holding on to that lack of transparency for a reason. And, like... Disgusting. You just gotta, you just gotta think reasonably. Like, what would motivate them refusing to show the data like that? And it's because they don't... Right? They know it's not gonna look good. Because they know they're lying. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of the stuff hey, that is... Go ahead. I, I was just going to add one more thing because our live stream is mentioning uh, thoughts on the tech Oscars because that's a field that the uh, previous Dune film had a lot of success in with a lot of nominations. Now it kind Kill of it. potentially clears the way for Oppenheimer to be the front runner in a lot of those categories. Maybe Killers of the Flower Moon is going to come in and take a lot of those categories. Uh, do, do you feel like this is... a Christopher Nolan is celebrating the Dune 2 news or uh, do you think it's a potentially conflicting or does it put Dune in a worse light in terms of its Oscar chances next year coming out in March like you mentioned too? I don't know what else is going to be that massive next year. Mm -hmm. I I think Dune's a juggernaut. It can come out at any point of the year. I was talking more of its release that I'm disappointed in, how they're going to roll it out for audiences to watch the movie. This movie can come out January 1st. I think it will still sweep the technical stuff next year. Uh, In terms of it fighting with Oppenheimer, it's a WB movie, Dune. This man, this man keeps beating them after leaving them. After after them pulling out Barbie only to help his movie. And now WB cleared the way for him to win Oscars? That This man must be the happiest. Just announced his James Bond movie. I'm sure he's going to have a trifecta at this point. No. Shout out Nolan. He's having the best year possible. Absolutely. 
but in terms of our picks for the week, I got a, a couple of ones here. I'm going to start with one that we've been mentioning so much, but it's finally out on VOD. If y'all have not caught it, please do yourself a favor and catch Past Lives. That is now available on VOD. Yes. It is, it's just a great movie. Uh, we've talked about it so much. You just have to experience it. There's no other way. I've been hearing some people go, oh, I think it's slow. I think it's this. I think you need to watch it. Make up your own opinion. And if right. you don't like it, cool. But there's only one way to find out. And uh, this has been a standout since the beginning of the year, how people add that one to their radar. Um, we all uh, had it at the top of our uh, best movies of the year so far list. Either it hits, like number bro. one or number two, you, me, and Amanda. So there's a, there's yeah. a reason for that. Uh, I got a two for here of stuff that are on my watch list. Uh, Archer, season 14, coming out on Hulu. I've always found the show to be very goofy. Uh, I don't know if this is its ending one or if they're pulling like it, a... I think it is, but they've said that multiple times Multiple times, right? So who knows? It's never going to end. But if you've never caught any of Archer, you could really start at any point. It's just a goofy, goofy show. Uh, and then Darkwind, season two. We've had these screeners for a little bit. It's coming out on AMC+. Plus. If you've been watching on AMC, uh, I'd say this is one of the better dramas uh, that I was able to catch from the first season. And it's executive produced by George R. R. Martin. Nice. Uh, and then the last two that I have here are two smaller picks that played at some festivals. Monica, if I'm not mistaken, played at South by? Could be. It could be. No, it played at Chicago. Ah. Um, this one's coming out to AMC Plus as well. I apologize for promoting AMC Plus because who the heck has that? But it does have some decent movies there sometimes that go out there to die. Nothing will ever be better than uh, what's our boy from the Art of Self Defense? Uh, Riley. Sterns? Riley. Yeah, when he tweeted about his Sundance movie with Gillen, where she fights herself. Duel. He said, this will be out on AMC Plus, question mark, whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> One of the funniest directors out there. Um, yeah. But Monica, it's a, it's a really intimate drama about a woman who's coming back to a mother who doesn't really recognize her because she's also uh, losing her memory. The final one, though. Speaking about losing your memory, BS <laughs> High was at Tribeca and it was getting these rave reviews. Mm -hmm. I've been anticipating it on HBO and it pissed me off off the story of a high school who competed in football um <laughs> were even high schoolers high school? what's it even a <laughs> high school <laughs> the high school didn't even exist <laughs> and this guy is lying through his teeth it's one of those where i think you and i have had these discussions of do you spotlight a liar knowing right. that they're going to get a high off it or do you not kind of expose them and showcase it as like, yo, no matter how many other things you try to do in the future, this will be that documentary documentary that will pop up. And even in the trailer, you don't even need to watch it. You see how scummy he is. I don't think you watch this movie and have any sympathy for him. Yeah. No, I mean, it tells you... need to you, call him out. It tells you a lot about a documentary subject when they sit down for their interview and they ask, do I look like a con artist? I like, agree with you. one of the first things out of their mouth. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. He does this thing where he'll, like, say something to you, and he'll be like, and do you really think I would have done that to the kids? Anyone who hits you with a question and does this little, like, dog side-eye to you, they're lying. Mm -hmm. His eyes HBO were crazy in that movie. It's, yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty bad. Um, <laughs> but an insane story to catch. So uh, if you want an ups and downs thriller of a documentary, catch this one. I'm surprised how recent the events were as well. But mm -hmm. BS High out on Max through HBO. Nice. Zach, what you got? All right, my first one is out and limited right now. I think it is expanding, though. It is a grand jury prize winner out of Sundance, Scrapper. Uh, I think we maybe undersold Scrapper because we both didn't think it should have won the grand jury prize, but that doesn't mean it's not a like delightful 
uh, coming of age story, really well Cute. acted by the boy Harris Dickinson and the newcomer Lola Campbell here. Uh, it's about a 12 year old who's been living alone after her mom died, whose father finally kind of like shows up in his, in his <laughs> life and her life yeah. and tries to, you know, repair things. I think it's got like a fun attitude to it uh, appropriately for its title. It feels very scrappy. It feels yeah. very youthful. Um, and I think, you know, these film, I, I've said this point several times, but I love films that sort of take a look at growing up and like a, a preteen teenage thing, but treat it very adult and, and like a adult drama. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I thought it was a, a solid film. So if you're looking to, you know, catch up with the films that do well at Sundance, Scrapper is more readily available now. Yeah, and it's very good production design. They live, like, in the poorer side of town, but mm -hmm. as you can see even right there, like, they do a really good job with the compositions and the colors. They make it pop. Almost like you're seeing her her point of view of where she lives. Definitely. Because uh, she really, she's, like, raising herself. So, scrap her. Good pick. Yeah. All right, so my next four picks are coming out over the next couple of weeks because we are going to be uh, off for a couple weeks on Weekend Must Watch as we get into TIFF and to some other things. So some more stuff to look out for next week uh, is the theatrical release of the latest film from Sebastian Silva, one that we missed back at uh, Sundance, oh, no. Rotting in the Sun. <laughs> uh, this is about uh, a, a filmmaker played by Silva as himself, who goes missing, and his friend, uh, Jordan Firstman, who goes searching for him. I don't know if you're familiar with any of Jordan Firstman's work as, like, a influencer parody online comedian, uh, but he's known for being extremely annoying in a way that is very familiar, and I expect that this film, which has been uh, also marketed on, like, a, a ridiculous <laughs> amount of full frontal nudity... He's he probably got so some of those vibes. He was so annoying in this. The fact that I can <laughs> remember people? how annoying he was as the friend, terrible. Yeah. So, I mean, it might not be something that everyone feels comfortable sitting through, but I like Sebastian Silva. I think I like Sebastian Silva a lot more than you. Easily. Uh, so I'm Take very it. curious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually interested as well because I've been seeing, uh, uh, I think Andres saw it and he said it was pretty good. So yes, yes. I, I have it on my, I'm a writer. Uh, moving forward on, uh, I want to say it's on September uh, 10th or something like that. It's a little yeah. bit away. Uh, El Conde, uh, September 8th is the release of El Conde on Netflix. Maybe the 15th? Um, uh, it's, I think, 8th because it'll get the limited one, obviously. Big director. Right. And then 15th. You can on Netflix, catch it at yeah. home. There we go. So uh, before we're back from Toronto, Toronto, the latest film from Pablo Lorraine, the Chilean director, uh, making a film about uh, Augusto Pinochet, uh, but, but as a as an old vampire. Uh, it, so it's got what? a mix of like the fantastical elements that you sometimes feel from his film, but like the historical backing that a lot of his films ba are based on. Um, that, you know, not trying to say that a film about a vampire is historical, but there's probably going to be some historical, historical references in there. Um, Lorraine is probably one of the, our more distinctive visual filmmakers with uh, movies like Spencer and uh, Emma and Jackie recently under his belt. Uh, really good at doing these kind of like uh, dry, not dry, but like kind of like dark and and emotive 
uh, character studies. So yeah. this one in particular looks impeccably shot in black and white. So I'm very curious about it. It's got a really interesting poster. El Conde. Uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to catch it uh, maybe before we get bogged down in Toronto if Netflix can send us some links. Yeah, we'll have to like watch it in between something. Uh, but yeah. right now I know it's going to be between the Eternal Memory and his movie for that submission, I think for Chile, right? Yeah, and isn't uh, The Settlers or one of those films also oh, another one? Yeah. Damn, okay. So we, we've got a lot, and yo, they don't play over there. But it's funny mm-hmm. that he's producing on this one, so he's damn near going to be competing with himself. Against himself, yeah. Yeah. But El Conde, good pick. Yeah. I'll also give a shout-out to another film that is actually playing at the Toronto International Film Festival, Dumb Money, the latest film from Ke- Craig Gillespie, uh, looking at the uh, GameStop uh, stock saga if that's what you want to call it it's it seems like the first major movie that we're going to get about this although i think that netflix one, one with noah centineo <laughs> is still on its way too uh maybe uh, the game is just about being first but and this one they're withdrawing least... their their deposits still <laughs> <laughs> um i think this one doesn't necessarily look like the most exciting but it does have a really, really? solid cast it just yeah. little, looks a little the like by the good. numbers for me but i'm i'm Fair. in it to see paul dano pete davidson nick offerman uh, seth rogan shailene woodley there's there's a lot of really cool people in this one and yeah. i like craig gillespie too i like craig too yeah so you know i'm hoping this one like surpasses my expectations i'm open to that as well uh we are not going to try and see this one in toronto though because no. if you have an AMC near you, it might be playing as early as September 14th. That's when I'm going to see it when I'm back in New York. Ain't no reason to go pay. I think Amanda was telling us there are people reselling $400 tickets for the premiere of this movie. Yeah. I mean, if y'all really want to see Craig because the actors ain't going to be there, go Mm -hmm. ahead. (laughs) Get your Gillespie signings. But yeah, Dumb Money will be out. uh, Should be worldwide, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in the middle of September. But I, I am kind of excited for it. Yeah, I mean, I do want to see it. Um, we'll, we'll see, I guess. Yep. And then my last one, another film that will be out later in sep- September. I believe it's going to be in a limited theatrical release on September 22nd. Yep. It's Flora and Son, which is also playing at Toronto uh, this year. But this is one that we caught back at Sundance, the latest film from director John Carney, who kind of has a thing. If you've seen his previous work, he's... Uh, did done Sing Street, he's done once, he's done Begin Again. He's really good at doing this a movie musical that doesn't feel like Broadway or or feel uh, you know, I don't know, it, it it's got this kind of organic singer-songwriter quality to it. It feels more like performances that are on theme with the story than it does yeah. like a a big show-stopping musical with large number like large musical numbers and big dance sequences. He's He's got back to kind of like what feels like his roots. It's very charming uh, about the, uh, this single mom sort of trying to find a hobby for her son who develops this kind of online relationship with a guitar teacher. Uh, some really good uh, some really good performances in this one. You have uh, Eve Hewson, who apparently is Bono's daughter, I didn't realize. Yeah, uh, dude. Joseph Gordon-Levitt in this. Jack Rayner in this as well. Pretty good. Yeah, Jack and I, I think you, I remember you dug some of the songs in this one too. Bro, Dublin 07, they said they're going to be releasing the soundtrack. I'm excited for that. I, yeah. I, I still think Once is his best movie. I agree. If you've never seen that Academy Award uh, performance, uh, present, the performance is so yeah. good, bro. Uh, bet l- some people may disagree with me. I know people love Sing Street and Begin Again. 
I think Florence Sun may be better than those. That's just my opinion here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will be able to find out very soon because this movie, like Zach said, is coming out limited because it is going to be a week after on Apple TV Plus, the yep, 25th. by the end of September. So if you got good speakers in a theater near you, go ahead. But you'll be able to see it in the comfort of your own home very soon. Yep. Uh, but those are my picks for the week. What do you, uh, So should we go back through them? Yeah, going back to it, if you have not had the chance to catch one of the best movies of the year, Past Lives, do yourself yes. a favor. It's going to be out in multiple capacities. Look, Just give it the chance. Just be open to it. And if you don't like it here, maybe you I don't know, liked it in a past life. Uh, we also have Archer season finale? Series finale? I'm not exactly sure, but if you like Bob's Burgers... And uh, what it's else has this guy done? The voice? Yeah, this dude is the one of the best animated voices out there. I he love is his able... home movies uh, voice vocal performance. Thank but you. He's, That's he's what so I was good. Yes, yes, good one. And Archer, it's one of the funnier ones as well. So definitely check that one out if you can. Dark Winds over on AMC Plus. If you have it, you can do a twofer between that and Monica, a really intimate drama. Or if you have Max, go watch BS High because you will you will be pretty upset with how this all wraps up. What about you, Zach? Uh, I got Scrapper in limited release, the Sand- Sundance Grand Jury Prize winner. Beautiful story. I got Rotting in the Sun, the potentially very annoying comedy from Sebastian Stilva starring Jordan Firstman. Maybe look into this one before you buy your tickets. I have El Conde coming to theaters and then Netflix, a dreamy looking a drama shot in black and white from Pablo Lorraine. We I have to go to done- Venice. <laughs> exactly. I have uh, Dumb Money, the uh, GameStop fun comedy with a great It's cast. a little finger. Yeah, it should be a good time. Subversive I fun. That. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just stacks of money. Um, and then I have Flora and Son, the latest musical from John Carney about uh, a woman who picks up a guitar and becomes a pretty talented singer-songwriter with the help of computer Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's really sweet, (laughs) but maybe watch once first if you haven't yet. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a lot of good picks coming out in September. I, I You know, even with the, the push for Dune, I'm still very excited with everything that's on the horizon. Yeah. Uh, got some really good lineups for these festivals. And look, overall, I think it's going to be a very competitive year. I think people are already making their Oscar lists, and we've yet to see the other half that's going to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, we're we're going to have to have some Oscar prediction talks, too, especially uh, after these festivals. But for the meantime, that is all for this week's show. You can find me over at LME Movies on uh, X on, I think, Threads, <laughs> Instagram, all of that good stuff. Uh, where can they find you, Zach? Yeah, you can find me at Zshevich, Z-S-H-E-V-I-C-H, V as in Vacation Friends, uh, on whatever social media platform, and check out my YouTube, TikTok, or Instagram, at Multiplex Show for some videos from me as well. Beautiful. A reminder that you can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast here. You could go to iTunes, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcatcher is. You can catch a live video here every Monday on YouTube.com, except for, you know, this next month, we're going to be working. We're going to be bringing more yeah, content for yeah. you later after that. Uh, big shout you, out to all the intercuties. You'll still what? see us this month. We, we got stuff you in, will, in store. Yeah. You will feel us. Uh, big shout out to all the intercuties who listen live, everybody who's in the chat. We appreciate that. I saw LaShawn get right at the end. So we, appre- <laughs> we, we see you there, LaShawn. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, thanks for uh, showing up. Right? <laughs> that, that's appreciated. Better late <laughs> than never. <laughs> uh, don't forget to leave us a comment. Drop a like. Follow the socials over on Intercapod. A big shout out to everyone who leaves those five-star reviews on Apple. It helps us get a lot more links, mm-hmm. uh, especially when we're going to these festivals because there's only so much time in a day 
to watch these theatrical movies. So getting those links really helps. And y'all help out with that. Uh, thank you guys for watching this episode. And until next time, don't forget to comment, like, subscribe. Or Wonder Brothers is going to push you to 2024. Now I'll never be in theaters.